This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low, or Instagram at Nearside Low underscore podcast. And here we are, Nearside Low Podcast, uh, Season 3, Episode 5. We are cruising right along. This is Charlie. Yeah, this is Ray. And we are glad to have you back. Um, we want everyone to know uh, our special guest this particular podcast is Kyle Perry. Uh, he's the head coach at uh, Fenwick up in Chicago. So for all of our uh, Illinois polo listeners, um, Chicago crew, if you want to fast forward um, to probably about the, I don't know, 15 or 20 minute mark, um, we will get with our interview with Coach Kyle at that point in time. So um, if you don't want to be uh, bothered with Missouri water polo stuff, you can skip ahead. Um, and as we always like to start with our podcast, let's uh, hit up the question of the week recap. Um, it was a good one, Coach. Um, we were discussing whether or not um, we should have a separate all-district girl team Last check had 40 votes, 73% said, let's try in 2019, 10% said, keep it the same, and then 17% said, other. Um, we asked people to tweet their ideas to us, and Terrence Weifel from Marquette um, suggested that we keep the same format, but add a girl on the first team, the second team, and the third team. Um, so instead of having seven total athletes, actually have eight athletes, just to recognize more girls and still have a female player of the year. Um, and then Slap, the Slap Handle, who I'm not 100% sure who that is, I'm going to go out on a limb and think maybe it's Miguel, thinks that we should recognize a female player of the year, also have the all-district girls team. Um, and then he kind of brought up the discussion of all-conference versus all-district. Um, we obviously had a reshuffling of the uh, conferences this particular year. Um, and so there was some discussion on whether or not we should have an all-conference and should that feed into the all-district team. Ray and I want to stress, of course, that this is just us kind of spitballing ideas back and forth. We have actual no real say in what, what is determined. Ray, talk to Great feedback. Loved hearing the feedback from from everybody. I, I thought it was pretty cool that 75% of the people said try it in 2019. And my reason for proposing this was to, to just get more people, more recognition. I like the idea of having an all-girls team because that will make sure that at least uh, seven girls get recognized. And every year when we start a new high school season, and you're trying to figure out who's going to be uh, some of the better teams, who are going to be some of the better players, a lot of that reflects back on who have been on all district teams in the past. And uh, by starting uh, a girls all district team, make people aware of at least seven girls playing in the area. I think if you ask the casual fan right now to name some of the best girls in the area, I, most fans wouldn't be able to name very many. And part of that's just because there's not a whole lot of publicity for them. Yeah, I appreciated the commentary from uh, Miguel as well. Uh, definitely looking forward to the Female uh, Player of the Year Award again this year. Not 100% sure, but uh, my recollection is that this year there's just going to be all-district rather than having all-conference teams as well. Uh, just because of the way the conferences are listed, given that a lot of the top players are in one of the conferences, rather than having an equal number in each conference and restricting from that who goes to all-district, I think this year it's just going to be all district. So um, I know the coaches are still trying to figure out how all the voting and stuff for that's going to go, but 
that was the initial plan for this year. So we'll look for more details on that. But overall, thanks again for the votes. Yeah, we don't have any any say in this, but uh, the more people talk about this, the more people talk about it with your coaches, the more chance that we're going to be able to make some changes and get more people more recognition. All righty, and that rolls us on, Ray, to our new question of the week, and you've been pretty good at lining these up, so take it away, and I'll throw in my two cents. My question this week, uh, I guess, comes a lot from my my desire to try and make games and ref games in that uh, what time do you prefer having varsity games? Uh, some teams are playing at 5 p.m., some teams are playing at 5.30 p.m., some are playing at 7 p.m., others are playing at other times. And I know a lot of these game times are – based on when teams have pool availability. But I was just curious what people thought was their preferred time. I know when I was a player, I enjoyed playing in those earlier games. So 4, four o'clock for JV, 5 o'clock for varsity. But now that I'm working and doing other things and can't necessarily walk out the door whenever I like, uh, I much prefer the later games. What's your thoughts, Coach? Well, you know, I put in the notes here basketball, and I know that, you know, uh, basketball on Friday nights and Thursday nights and stuff, generally a varsity basketball game is starting at 6.30 or 7 o'clock. And um, that has always, in my years of teaching, has always kind of been the standard. Uh, and I know that having played water polo in the mid to late 90s and having coached for quite some time, the standard for water polo has always been like 4, 5, 4.30, 5.30. And, and I'm not 100% sure why that is. I'm Pool time could be an issue. Um, I know at a lot of schools, though, you know, Parkway West, like, it's the high school pool. So in reality, I feel like if we needed to have a six o'clock and a seven o'clock game, you know, we just need to make sure that that is planned ahead and we can have it. So I kind of think, you know, basketball um, is kind of big time at quite a few schools. They get a lot of people out to those games because they're later in the evening. So other people, A, don't have other sports that they have to go practice at or compete at. Uh, more parents are off of work so they can make those games. Um, I don't know. And there's just this atmosphere of kind of more of a, a big time feel in my opinion. So um, I would not be opposed to uh, having later games. That would also allow referees and stuff who work jobs that go past three or four o'clock to actually make some of those games. You know, maybe in the long term, we could start shifting some more games that way. On the flip side, though, I know that scheduling can be kind of a hassle for other sports, especially when they're later in the evening, um, just as far as practicing and juggling who's using the pool and so on and so forth. So I can see both sides. So our Twitter poll um, is basically going to say game times, and we're going to have a couple different game times. Um, some of them will be early and some of them will be later. Feel free to give us a vote. Again, if you have some thought process on why you think we should have later games or why we should continue to keep our games relatively early, then please tweet at us. Um, as you notice, we like to mention people on the air um, and give them props. So we look forward to hearing from, um, from everybody out there. So moving on to our recap of the games. Um, Ray, I was at Founders Cup this weekend, and guess who I saw? Who, who would that have been? You. Yeah, <laughs> Anyhow, I was there as well. You were. A couple highlights I wanted to put out. Um, a shout-out to Michael uh, Clay and Ledoux. Um, I think they're really rounded into form. I know that um, we played them in the championship, and it didn't go the way that we um, that they wanted it to go. Uh, but we did match up with them again on uh, Monday um, in our conference game, and it was a much closer game. I guess my point is, I think some of the scores that Ledoux, or games Ledoux played in earlier in their season were not necessarily indicative of the type of team they are. Um, they've got one or two older guys that are really, really talented, and then obviously they've had a very successful JV pass, and so those guys and gals have actually moved up. Um, and I think it's for them, it's kind of part of kind of getting into the swing of things. So they made it to the championship of Founders Cup, so um, got to give them a little bit of props for that. Um, and then I think MICDS and Marquette surprised some teams. Um, MICDS, I think, had just been coming off spring break. 
um, and so not a lot of people knew um, what they had. Obviously, they've got a two-meter um, who's very, very talented, um, and I think he surprised some teams. And then Marquette, uh, they came to play. Uh, I, I thought they looked really solid. So all in all, it was a it was a well-run tournament. So thanks to the uh, parents that they do and Coach Clay. Um, but there were there were some exciting teams that I think proved their medal. No, it may not have been expected for. I don't know what year in a row it is now, but uh, Ledoux and Parkway West met in the championship game, and you, Coach Gutelli, pulled off uh, with Parkway West to victory. But might be a rivalry, uh, right? It might be yeah, a rivalry. Yeah, right, right. I feel like you guys have had some uh, pretty solid games in the past we couple have, of years. We have, we have. <laughs> yeah, overall, I mean, it was great to see. There were uh, there were 12 teams playing in the Founders Cup. Always a great tournament. Um, and yeah, some of those teams were playing uh, some of their first games of the season. Coach, you already mentioned MICDS looked very strong in some of their games Marquette as well uh, there were a lot of close games throughout the weekend uh, you know Desmet and Marquette tied at one point seven to seven you saw the Ledoux and Marquette uh, Ledoux won that game 12 to six which was I think a little bit more one-sided than some teams were expecting and then Parkway Central beat CBC 10 to eight so a lot, a lot of good games over over the course of the weekend um, it was also good to see a lot of these a lot of these teams get to play each other. We've talked about a lot about parity, but throughout the course of the weekend, uh, we really saw that. And as these teams match up over the next couple of weeks, it'll be see, interesting to see how these teams come along. You just talked about Ledoux looking better against you guys second time around. I think we're going to see that from uh, a lot of teams moving forward. I would agree. I would agree. All right. How about individual games, Ray? Were there any that you wanted to highlight? I, I put some down here, but I'll let you take that. Yeah, so last week was a really interesting week. And, and uh, I mean, I already mentioned the uh, close game between DeSmet and Marquette last week. I know that there were multiple teams, including DeSmet, missing some players at points throughout last week. But in the end, it comes down to who wins the games, regardless of, of who's playing. Last Wednesday, Kirkwood beat Lindbergh 7-5, to which was uh, an upset based on the rankings. On Thursday, SLU beat Lindbergh 8-6. to and another pretty close game. And then we already talked about some of these Founder, Founders Cups games as well. Those, those were some of the more notable games last week, and they're just going to even more coming up this week. All righty, so it should be exciting. Uh, water polo in the news. West County News Magazine had the West County News uh, preview of the West County Water Polo Schools um, by Warren Mays. So it was a good write-up, kind of talked about a couple quotes from the coaches, senior leaders, captains, record from last year, you know, hopes and expectations for this year. So um, I know we were in there, Central, Marquette, DeSmet, a couple other teams. So um, if you get the West County News Magazine, you can check that out. They also do have a wonderful website that you can also visit. And, Ray, you want to talk a little bit about Earl Austin Jr. again. Hit it. Yeah, so uh, Earl Austin Jr., as I, I talked about in the last couple of podcasts, I uh, mentioned he may try and make it out to a water polo game. He made it out to the Parkway South MICDS game last Wednesday that Parkway South uh, won by a score of 14 to 11. I was really excited because he put all his videos up on Twitter uh, at Earl Austin Jr. Uh, he is over, he has close to 10,000 followers and a lot of his videos, including some great post-game interviews, a number of those got over 500 hits. When we're looking to grow water polo, it's great to have people like that on the sidelines. Um, I know a couple of the people from the various schools there, including Adam Ward, uh, knows uh, Earl Austin. So it was great to have uh, those people involved talking to Earl. Hopefully he'll show up more. The more publicity we can get for our sport, the better it's going to be. So uh, check out his Twitter handle. Check out some of the videos on there. There's some good ones. 
Right, right, right. All right, Fast Break Forum. Uh, I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about on the STL Today uh, Prep Sports Forum after the Dismet Invite, so we're going to skip ahead to the upcoming tournaments and games. Um, Dismet Invitational, Ray and I are going to kind of keep that to a slight minimum because our guest Kyle Perry um, from Fenwick is obviously coming down for this particular weekend, and we thought we'd probably discuss a little bit more. Ray, do you have a quick two cents you want to throw in? Yeah, so uh, the exciting thing about the Dismet Invite is there's no true – I guess champion for the tournament and that it's it's a, a bracket type play. The format for the last couple of years has been to just get each team that plays a lot of good close games. Starting Thursday over at Lindbergh, Friday and Saturday are out at the St. Peter's Recplex. St. Louis teams are Parkway Central, Lindbergh, Ladue, Desmet, Slough, Parkway South, Parkway West, I believe. And then there's going to be uh, Sycamore from Ohio. And then De La Salle, Stevenson, and Fenwick from Illinois. So it's going to be a great tournament. I don't remember if I mentioned Kirkwood's going to be in there as well, but it's going to be a great tournament. A lot of teams playing. All righty. And then I think uh, over at another pool, Lafayette and the MICDS Invitational again. This is, I think, year two um, that it will be taking place at MICDS, right? Correct. So uh, this is uh, second year is taking place. The teams in there are going to be Lafayette, MICDS, Padville, Chaminade, Hinsdale South is coming down from Chicago. Uh, Oakville will be playing as well. So uh, that tournament is also going on Thursday through Saturday, all games at MICDS. Uh, between these two tournaments, over half our high school varsity teams are going to be playing. Uh, this is our biggest tournament weekend of the year for varsity teams. So uh, I would definitely go go over, check some games out. Uh, should be fun. Then uh, also real quickly before we uh, wrap things up and talk about the top ten, I just want to throw a quick shout-out to uh, Steve Adcock, who helps us get our podcast on the Mo Water Polo website every week. And uh, as we prepare for the top ten, I just want to say a shout-out to Dave Jimenez, who always uh, collects this data and gets it posted. Yes, we love week. you guys. Keep up the good work. We appreciate it. Uh, top ten. I'm going to read them, Ray, and then we can discuss. How's that sound? Sounds good. Uh, this week, number one, uh, SLU. Number two, Parkway West. Number three, Lindbergh. Number four, DeSmet. Five, Parkway South. Six, Kirkwood. Seven, MICDS. Eight, Marquette. Nine, Parkway Central. And then 10, CBC. Uh, to be honest, kind of looking at previous week to present week, not a lot of changes. Maybe a spot here or there for some teams, um, but nothing too crazy. So what are you thinking about the top 10? As I think you probably saw some of those teams at the Founders Cup. As the results show, they're, they're where I think they should be at this point. Uh, SLU remains undefeated at number one. Parkway West at two. Lindbergh at three. Those teams will meet this Thursday night. So that'll be a fun game to watch. Bloodbath. Bloodbath, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. Dismet at number four. Has been playing well. They, as I said, they were uh, without one of their players this last weekend, but has been looking good. Parkway South at five. Uh, they will beat a number of these teams in the top five in the coming week, including Parkway West next Monday. Uh, Kirkwood has been as they, they beat Lindbergh last week, but lost to MICDS. So I'll be interested to see them at the Dispen invite this week. Uh, MICDS just really will be interested to see them moving forward. And then Marquette. Parkway Central and CBC. I, I was impressed. Uh, the first time I had seen CBC, they have uh, one or two players I was really impressed by. And uh, Michael Shonoff uh, does a great job with CBC. So we'll be interested to see those teams moving forward. All righty. So 
If you want to stay tuned for our interview with Fenwick head coach Kyle Perry, hang in there. Otherwise, this is the Near Side Low Podcast. This is Charlie. This is Ray. And we are signing off. And here we are, Nearside Low Podcast, with our special guest from the Windy City, uh, Kyle Perry from the Fenwick Friars, head coach. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Special guest makes me sound awfully uh, important. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for having me, guys. Yeah, no, we're, we're excited that you accepted, and we're glad to have you. Anyhow, um, as we always like to do with our, with our guest, um, if you could give us a, a brief introduction on um, who you are and kind of what led you to uh, the Fenwick Friars. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm a, actually a Fenwick grad. I'm a 2001 Fenwick High School grad, and I uh, played water polo and swam at Fenwick while I was there. After that, I went to Miami University in Ohio, played some club water polo, and got a chance to, to help out coaching the uh, women's club team at Miami, uh, Ohio. From there, I jumped out, uh, went up to the, the East Coast and went to upstate New York, and I was coaching at uh, Division Three Utica College of Syracuse University with their women's team. And had a great time. I was there for three years and then uh, realized I really wanted to get back to uh, the snowy Midwest instead of the snowy East Coast. And, yeah, I wound up at Fenwick, and it's it's sort of been a blast. I had a chance to work, and I know we'll talk about this maybe later, but I had a chance to work with my dad, who was a longtime Fenwick coach, at, and uh, did, did a couple of years with him before he passed away, and then uh, sort of just following in his footsteps uh, since then. So you've been head coach at Fenwick since what which year? 2012 was the the first official year. We we split duties 2011 because uh, so in 2011 he he, his, he had cancer and his cancer came back and uh, we weren't really sure of what uh, you know what he was going to be able to do. He wound up being able to do a ton and he was he was at the pool a lot and you know it was it was really awesome. Um, so 2011 uh, and then 2012 was uh, obviously the first year without him. Very good. And so to talk, talk a little bit about that. I mean, obviously, for all of us in the Midwest, we know about the influence that your dad had at Fenwick, as well as water polo in Illinois, and even across the Midwest. Talk a little bit about his influence on you and what it meant for you to follow in his footsteps. Well, yeah, so it, it's actually really cool. Um, one of the uh, so our, our school here at Fenwick is uh, in later this month is inducting him into the Hall of Fame. Um, and it's it's a it's a pretty wild uh, honor. Um, there's not a lot of non-Fenwick graduates uh, in this Fenwick High School Hall of Fame, and I think he's really deserving of that because of all that he's done. Um, but just really a, a, a neat little honor for a few weeks from now that we're going to be excited about. But he, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's it's funny talking about him. He was uh, you know just an incredible guy. Um, I think his his greatest strength was that. He really believed in a lot of kids, and he really made those kids believe in themselves. And um, you know, he he was aware that not every guy was going to be the best player uh, on the team. Still believed though that they had a a really important role on the team, and that was, I think, uh, one of the things that I strive a lot with uh, trying to re, you know remind myself of that. That there there's going to be a guy who might he might get just one goal all season it might be a really important one you never know and that aspect i think the connections that he made with his with his with his athletes who then became his friends uh is uh, is fairly remarkable he had never played water polo before he actually didn't uh you know he learned how to swim on a, out on a lake i uh, never swam on a swim team officially and um just read a lot and studied a lot and learned a lot and loved loved the game and loved swimming and loved water polo and had an incredible run at Fenwick. Um, you know, he got to Fenwick in the late '80s, and 
uh, Fenwick has this, this incredible aquatics tradition, and um, he was always really just very happy to be a part of that and to be able to uh, continue to further that that tradition that we've had since the school opened. I mean, one, one of the jokes I tell the boys is the school opened in 1929. And uh, there's a there's a big sign. It's one of these really old photos that they have around the school. Huge sign. And one of the selling points of the school in 1929 is like brand new swimming pool, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it was it's really neat. And, and it's funny because the pool was four lanes and it was shallow deep and it was one of the worst swimming pools of many of the people in Illinois had seen. But now, but at the, the time, it was a huge selling point. They, they were really committed to aquatics right out of the gate. And so. It, he really appreciated being a part of that, and and obviously I love being a part of that as well. And you know having a chance to to work in in the same place that he did. I, I loved working with him. He uh, he's just a great guy all all around. And you know the the relationship I think I think is the biggest one that he uh, he had so many alum that came back and uh, worked with him, worked for him, and you know that's something that that I've been able to. I've been very lucky, and I've had the same. Uh, not not quite as many, but I've I've had that same opportunity where several of my players have come back and helped coach out, you know, coach in the summer, coach in the in the season, and um, we've really benefited from that, and that that that's been really neat. Whatever you think about top high school programs in Illinois, obviously Fenwick is one that that reaches the top of the list. So you mentioned a little bit about tradition, but what what makes Fenwick water polo so strong year in and year out? Is it the coaches? Is it the is it the kids buy in? Is it the history of the programs there? Like, is it a combination of all of those? Yeah, I, I think it's everything. Um, I think the tradition is really important. We we talk about it. You, you guys uh, at Parkway West have been to the pool, and you, you, you've seen the banners. I mean, right. those banners are, are right there. And, um, I mean, it, I think the, the swimming ones are even wilder because you got, you got dates from, you know, the early 30s where they were winning the, the Chicago Catholic League, and you're like, holy cow. I mean, this is, this is something, you know, and especially now. I mean, I feel old when – some of our kids are like, you know, 2001 uh, birthdays, you know, and you're like, holy cow, yeah. you know. And so for for that, I think that's that's tremendously important. But I, I think the biggest thing is is the school itself really does a great job of of setting the expectations incredibly high, and it, it, it can be frustrating, it can be really challenging at times, but that that our our students are incredibly motivated, and they take that same motivation that they're that's being put upon them in the, in the classroom and that they're bringing into the classroom and they, they, they bring it all into the pool as well. And so I think couple that with, you know, some incredibly motivated and really driven students that are, that are playing water polo, um, with our, with our coaching staff. And I, I've been really lucky. I, I've got, I've got a great staff this year. I've had a great staff every year that I've had an opportunity to work at Fenwick this year. I've got a guy that, uh, that actually played with, played for me as an age grouper and as a high school player, and then went on to play club water polo at Illinois State, Ben Gronwald, and he's in his second year helping us out. He's he's just phenomenal. And then my other assistant, uh, Jimmy Locke, was uh, a head coach over at one of the Lincoln Way schools down south. And, uh, you know, he comes in with an incredible amount of experience. He's a really good friend of mine. Got another guy who actually played out in, in your your neck of the woods at Lindenwood. He's from Chicago, Brett Hennigan. And, uh he, uh, you know, he, he's great. Um, and so, you know, definitely blessed by that opportunity and just the culture. I mean, the expectation is you're at Fenwick and we're going to do a lot of things. Uh, it's going to take a whole lot of work and it's going to take a whole lot of grinding. But, you know, the expectations are really high in all all aspects. So speaking of culture, in the last week in the news, we've seen that Jack Wagner, the, the women, the, the girls coach, uh, got his 600th career win with the girls team. Uh, how do how do your boys and girls teams feed off each other, and uh, what's the culture like having someone like Coach Wagner there uh, to feed ideas off of and talk water polo? 
Oh, it, it's great. I mean, it's it's absolutely great. I, I think uh, I think there's a great, very friendly uh, boys and girls rivalry. You know that that neither neither wants to be the side that doesn't win, <laughs> um, but is also incredibly supportive of the other side. And you know that's that's one of the things that that for me has been awesome. There's been a few years where you know the boys haven't advanced as far as we wanted to, and the girls have, and. All of our boys are like, let's go to the game. We want to be there. We want to, you know, we want to be a part of this, and we want to be cheering on. And as far as they're concerned, these are their teammates. You know, even though you know our practices are completely at separate times, and we really, you know, other than passing through, we never, you know, we're not doing anything uh, with either of the teams together for the most part. But it's it's all their friends, it's all their classmates, it's it's all their teammates, and I think that part is really neat. And you know, having Jack as a sounding board is pretty incredible. I mean, he he has so much experience. He's been coaching for so long, and he's been doing it at a, at a really high level, both you know with 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 USA Water Polo a long time ago. Um, you know, over at Indiana, not quite as long ago, although again, I'm dating myself. And uh, and then now with Fenwick for the last you know 600 plus wins, uh, um, they just they won again on uh, yesterday. They won last night, so I think he's at officially as it's at 601, which is pretty pretty crazy. So awesome. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's great, and he's he's great. He comes over and and is like, hey, you know, this is something you need to look at. And I'm always wise to want to listen because uh, he knows what he's talking about and he knows what's going on. Right, and then you've had some great players come through Fenwick and Windy City Club over over the years. Uh, recently, people like Chris Wood and Matt Farmer have gone to UCLA. I, in college, I got to play with Craig Borkovic, and I know his sister now is uh, coaching at Princeton. So a, lo- a lot of a lot of great players uh, coming through your program. What's been the key to developing good athletes at Fenwick? And as a follow-up, one, one thing I always notice about Fenwick is how your teams are always so quick. I mean, what how, how have you gotten athletes like that on your team? I, I think the the we'll talk about the fast one first, I guess. Um, again, the the aquatics tradition is is for me very important, and this is actually the second year that uh, my my good friend Luke McGuire, who's our head boys swimming coach, uh, hasn't helped out with the the boys water polo team because he's been working with the girls uh, water polo team the last two years. But um, the two of us, we really are very focused on you know aquatics as a as a community as as a it is two separate sports. But as far as we're concerned, it's it's the same. And so, you know, we get our boys to buy in during the swim season. Um, this year, I have only uh, one water polo player. He's a sophomore that did not swim on our swim team. And he's been a great addition. He's somebody that had never really played water polo before and was looking for a spring sport. And I said, hey, you know, why don't you check this out? And, you know, other than that, though, every other guy on our team um, and that's usually pretty much the norm. I, I would say, you know, maybe every couple of years I'll get one kid that doesn't swim for us that wants to try out for water polo. And we, we're no cut, so, I mean, we'll, we'll take and we'll work with everybody. But for the most part, you know, every one of our guys, and we do a lot of talking that, you know, during swim season, though, you know, it's certainly it's great for water polo. Like the focus is on being the fastest swimmer that you can possibly be to help out our swim team. And then we just translate that right into you know, water polo. And I think one of the cool things at Fenwick that, that we see, and in Illinois especially, is that, that most of our top swimmers also are great water polo players. And we've got a great swimmer. Uh, his name is Liam Hutchinson, and he's kind of broken that, uh, that, that rule for me. But I used to be able to look up at the board and tell freshmen and say, hey, every guy on our record board played water polo at least for a year at Fenwick. And, you know, that says something, you know, because we had a lot of guys that, that have never played before as as freshmen there that, that you know, they've decided they're swimmers. 
And we're like, no, 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 like you can be more. Right. Like you can yeah. be a swim- you can be a swimmer, and and you can be a water bowl player. And so that part, you know, I think that's the key. And and you know, on top of that, we condition a ton. The boys joke that that uh, you know they're excited for spring swim season. Uh, which is, um, you know, and, and then they're, they're not that far off. I mean, we, we swim a ton and we, we try to work out really fast a lot and mess around with that as far as, uh, you know, great players. Um, some of that has to do with just, uh, the development club that brings a lot of kids in. And, and obviously a lot of kids will play with Windy City when they're in high school. Um, some of them play with us, uh, play with Windy City as age groupers. We get a lot of kids, though, from all over the place, and I think that's one of the neat things about our program is that we are getting kids from sort of different areas and different places that once they come in and they buy into what we're trying to do, um, we see them take off tremendously, and and, and that, that part is really neat. I mean, there's been some incredibly high-level athletes, and you know, I think uh, – the the commitment to really working hard and you mentioned uh you mentioned Kara and Chris and, and Matt Farmer and I, I think those are all kids that would be willing to just just go 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 no matter what and you know not not phased when when there's hard work to be done and you know we use those guys and we talk I, I think when we were talking just briefly about tradition you know I saw that Kara was uh, coaching over I think she's at Princeton right now or was coaching at Princeton this last season. You know, I, we told all the boys, you know, and we told all the girls and it was like, hey, like this is this is, uh, you know, a former uh, teammate, former Windy City athlete, Fenwick athlete. And here's here's what she's doing right now. And, you know, Matt, Matt Farmer's in Italy and we update the boys on that stuff all the time. When Chris was playing um, both in Italy, but when Chris was playing with UCLA, you know, in November during the swim season, first couple of weeks of swim season, we'd be like, hey, this is what this is what this guy's doing. And this is what, you know, maybe you could be doing in a couple of years. And so trying to always set that bar really high and push those kids to go to the bar and above. Very cool. And one, one follow-up I want to make. So one thing in Missouri, uh, a lot of our water polo players do do very well and are, are top swimmers in the area. But there's also a lot of kids in Missouri who just straight do swimming. And, and based on your comments, it seems like that's not as much of a problem in Illinois, that a lot of people do both. Is there maybe a little bit, better relationship with club swimming or a little bit i guess greater buy-in to water polo how, how does that how does that work i i do think there's a greater buy-in i think i think we run into a lot of the same problems that you guys run into there i mean i, I think having having it a, a sanctioned sport you know and i know you guys i think you guys are are on your way or you maybe you are even right now i don't remember are you guys We're working full? on it yeah, yeah right so I think I think that that will be that will be tremendously helpful. I think that I mean it'll also be at times frustrating. I mean we the you have to relinquish control of what you guys have been doing, you know, as far as playoffs and tournaments and blah blah blah, but you know it also it gets kids to realize that like hey, like this is this is real. This is not just, you know, a couple of kids throwing the ball around. Like this is this is the big time. And I think that's been a big change for us and there are a lot of schools though that that still haven't, you know, that don't embrace that. You know, like I said, I, I'm fairly lucky. I, I work with uh, Coach McGuire during the boys' swim season. And, and for the last, you know, probably the last eight years, he's worked with me in the, in the boys' water bowl season. And we kind of joked that, you know, we, we each uh, were the assistant for the other guy during his main season. And we did whatever dirty work or we did whatever work that the other guy didn't want to do in that season. And um, it was really beneficial and it still is beneficial. I mean, he's helping out with the girls. He's around with the boys all the time. 
And it's getting them to see that while we want to swim fast during swim season, we also want to see you be the best athletes during water polo. And if you join our water polo team, you're not missing anything swimming-wise for us. We've thrown the pads in. Like You'll, you'll go just as fast right. <laughs> during our yeah. season that you will during swim season. And, you know, it's getting those kids to buy into that. And, you know, for the most part, we've been very successful. You know, we do have a couple kids that, that either just swim. We have a couple kids that do other some other sports. So every once in a while we get like a, you know, a lacrosse or a baseball athlete. But we really do try to just promote that, like, this is aquatics. It's, it's, it's all one thing. And you can be really successful. And even if you've never played before, I mean, I think that's a – it's a hard sell for freshmen, especially when they've seen a lot of swimming success and they kind of see themselves as like the big dog on the block, even though they're freshmen and then they get in the pool and they, you know, they don't know their, they don't know their right from their left, you know, and getting them though to buy in they're like, Hey, just keep working at it. Um, we've got a couple freshmen that we're really excited about that, you know, have never played before, but we're, we're looking and seeing quite a bit of potential in these kids and, you know, excited about what the future is going to be for them as they continue to be incredibly fast swimmers, but also doing a lot of water polo. All right. So uh, let's talk about skills. Um, obviously, uh, swimming and being able to counter. I know you guys run a great counter um, is something that's important. But what else? Give, give us something else that's important to you as a coach for your players to learn. Favorite drill, something that you like to harp on about. No, oh, yeah. The boys will probably give me all kinds of flack on these ones. Um Favorite drill is, is definitely counterwise. Um, I mean, there's just so many things that you can do counterwise. You know, one, one of the ones we do a lot that, that I like a lot, it will just go like a, a one on nobody. And when you score, then the other team adds two guys. And so now it's a two on one the other way. And then if they score, it becomes, you know, we'll add two guys. It'll be a three on two, or you can add one guy and it'll be a two on two the other way. One of the things that I think is awesome is when you get that one kid that's super motivated. And he takes that two-on-one the other way, and he's he's the one, the defender, and he totally stuffs him. And then he's being tasked with going down to the other end and scoring a one-on-two. And then four guys are in the water against him now. You know, and you get that, like, like when he stops that, you're like, holy cow, we got to stop the drill, and, like, this is insane. You know, and he's and then he scores again. Now it's six-on-one, and he's like, coach, I'm not doing that again. Like, I already I already went up and down. But but I, I love I love making up just various counter things. We do a ton. Of the, the freshmen and my frost off especially just look at me like I'm crazy, you know, because I'm like, all right, we're gonna do that counter drill we did three weeks ago. They're like, coach, we've we've done 15 counter drills since that one, and none of them have been the same, you know. And um, I love messing around with that. I like because we move a lot. I like to do. I don't like to do a lot of a ton of stationary shooting. Um, we do we do a lot of stationary shooting, but um, if I can have us moving as part of our shooting, we we will. We're thinking and that some people are going to try to drop on us this weekend, so we've been kind of messing around with some different combinations that we think will work against drops that we might see from you guys, uh, and and that that's been a lot of fun. You know, I mean, the more I can get the kids moving back and forth and up and down, I think is really really key. Skill wise, I mean, I, I harp on defense. The guys, you know, most of them buy into it. I think it's it's you know it's it's the dirty work that nobody really wants to do, and it's not the most fun. And you know, a lot of times you you feel like you're you're just pulling teeth when you're talking to them. But I, I think I think defense and then situational awareness. Um, you know, one of the things we talk with our our freshmen and sophomores about all the time, uh, we joke that there are there are only nine rules to water polo, um, and the first eight are just go to the goal. And then the, the ninth one is is when you get the ball, shoot it. Because the amount of times that we, you know, you get that freshman who, who like, he's just like spinning in circles because he has no idea where he's going. And you're like, no, 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 it's easy. Just go right to the goal. <laughs> and 
you know, and that, but like that situational awareness where they're like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, it's, you do just, just go to the goal. You're going to be fine is something that I, I think we really harp a lot on. And in the example of doing the counter drills, I mean, we'll, I'll just stop and I'll be like, okay, you have to get out because you just were sitting there and you're, you're not attacking. You're not, you know, you're not following the first eight rules of water polo, which are just go to the goal. And so, so I'm, I'm on them about that a lot. You know, the other thing defensively that was, so that was more on the offensive end, but defensively, uh, you know, just having our hips up and, and, you know, we, we talk a lot about being in the lanes, but also uh, making sure that we're not beat uh, when someone is going to drive. And so kind of keeping our hips up, Towards the ball, but also between, you know, towards the goal and making sure that we're able to, whether it's, it's turn into a guy or counter rotate away from a guy, um, and feeling comfortable with that because it can, you know, it's awkward. I mean, a guy's maybe sometimes trying to grab you and you got to figure out how not to grab him back. And a lot of times our first instinct when we're being grabbed is to like go ahead and just chuck the guy right back. And obviously that's, that's not often allowed in water polo. <laughs> you know, and then being, being comfortable with yourselves. This morning that we talked about, that we don't need to let one little mistake kind of then build into a bunch of other mistakes. And so, you know, this, this morning we were having a couple of times where we were just dropping the ball and getting down on ourselves. And then after that first drop pass, then the next one was sailing way over somebody, you know. And so that, that skill of saying to yourself, OK, I, I might have messed this up, but I'm ready to go again and I'm ready to do it the right way and not not freaking out, not stressing out about whatever happened the previous time. Um, I don't know what what how I would define that skill, but that was something that we were talking about this morning. That if the boys can fix that a little bit, I think we're going to be in a great spot, uh, you know, this weekend, but in a great spot come May. All right, all right. I'm Ray. I'm, I'm writing notes down furiously right here. All right. <laughs> yeah, um, that was awesome. Yep. <laughs> that was good. That was good stuff. Um, all yeah, right. Thank so, you. Yeah, no problem. Well, and I, as I, yeah, if you remember, I I emailed you. I don't know a year yeah. or two ago, and you sent me a beautiful response and. And, you know, and I'm a big uh, I'm a big believer in coaches should be sharing ideas and talking about water polo and stuff. It it will definitely help uh, make the sport better and grow it. So we, we appreciate your thoughts on that. So let's let's talk about top teams in Illinois. Um, you guys are ranked relatively high, uh, but I'd say, you know, in those top, I don't know, four or five, it seems like there is a very uh, everyone's close in ability level. So similar to here in Missouri, what is your assessment of high school polo overall in Illinois this year? I think this is a great year. We so we finished second last year. Neighborville Central finished first. We beat Lions in overtime, and uh, right now we're, according to El Polo, we're we're number one. Neighborville Central's two. Lions is three. All all three of our teams were were underclassmen heavy last year, and so you know for the most part, I mean, this is a big senior year for those three teams, and that that's that's fun. You know, so we we've had we've had good games with both Neighborville Central at our tournament. And then Lions, I know Central didn't have everybody. Um, you know, I also know that our tournament is is pretty early in the season. And so while, you know, we, we were we were happy with the result, we know that there's a whole long season to go. And then even even in that top ten, I mean, there are some really good teams. We we just played St. Rita to a, a three goal game. We were at their place. Um, it's a tough place to play. It's a real narrow pool, it's five lanes, it's shallow deep, very different from what we've got at our place. And they're at the time, we were both undefeated in the conference. They're they're right now ranked number five, and I think that's probably them. Uh, I imagine that's who will play in the the MCAC championship if we make it as far as that. And you know, we had a close game with Nequa Valley at our tournament as well. They're they're in the top ten. We had a decent game with Loyola as well. They're in the top ten. We had a great game with York the other day. They just got out of the top ten, but um, we were playing at their place, and they're really strong. They gave they they've been playing really good water polo as well. They love to swim, so that it's a fun matchup for us because we do too. Um, yeah, so I mean, all across the board, I think we've got some really strong teams. 
And, you know, the hope is everybody just keeps improving as the season goes on. And we're going to have some great conference tournaments and great, great playoffs uh, with a lot of excitement. I thought you, you guys came down for the Lynch tournament this year. I thought this was probably the most competitive the Lynch tournament had been. We saw a couple, you know, a lot of times in the first that first day of games, you get a lot of like lopsided big scores, 20 to two and stuff like that. We didn't really have a lot of those on day one. In fact, there were a bunch of one goal, two goal games. And, um, you know, and that was that was fun, you know, so it's always fun to see that. And same this past weekend uh, at York. I mean, we, we had a one goal game with York. We got got out a bit on slew, but I know that this weekend they're going to be playing great against us. And uh, we had a good game with Lions as well. So um, the, right now, Illinois water polo is going great. I, I, I mean, I, I said this uh, when we first uh, when we first lost in 2012, uh, first time we had lost the state championship in a long time, that as a Fenwick fan, I mean, you know, it hurts when I see somebody else doing great. But as a water polo fan, and certainly a water polo fan in Illinois, I mean, I love it. I, I love seeing whether it's a new team or whether it's some of these uh, perennial powerhouses like a Neighborville Central, like a Lions, like a Stevenson. Um, these teams, you know, Neighborville's got so many great quality athletes out there. Um, Loyola uh, in our conference, St. Rita upstart recently. You know, it's great. It's great for water polo. I mean, it's, it's great for water polo in Illinois. It's great for the boys. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we've been feeling the same way here in Missouri. We've got a lot of parity this year, and it's made a lot for a lot of exciting games. So, uh, very cool. We're really looking forward to seeing you uh, this weekend for the Dismet Invite. Uh, over the last few years, you've had some uh, really good games down here uh, and some really competitive games down here. Uh, what are you looking for in the tournament this weekend, and what are you looking forward to? Well, uh, Desmet's hospitality. I mean, they are just great. I mean, I think that for they are they are phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're they're phenomenal. I, I think the parents there do a great job. You know, Miguel was doing a great job. Taylor's doing a great job continuing this, the the tournament. We love being in the big pool. I mean, we we feel comfortable in a really big pool. And you know, I, I the myself included, we're we're total snobs when it comes to a pool that's not that that we don't feel like is up to snuff. You know. And so it's great going. It's great going out to the Rexplex. It's a it's a place. Uh, a lot of the guys haven't been there. Um, when we first started coming out, we had a lot of guys that had done some age group stuff there and had done you know like a speedo cup and things like that. And uh, so they loved going back for that. Recently though, you know the guys just like going, whether it's for the first time or whether they've been a couple times, just because the pool is so nice. And I, I think uh, the switch to a round robin format I think is really worthwhile. For us, I mean, I, I was looking at the Missouri Polo rankings, and it looks like we're playing the, you know, the number one, two, four, five, and six ranked teams in in Missouri. Which, you know, I mean, where else can you get a, a bunch of games like that? I mean, that that's that's going to be, I think, I think really awesome for us. So we uh, we're traveling with most of our team. We have a couple guys uh, sticking home to take the ACT. We've got uh, another one of our athletes is going to be on a college recruiting visit this weekend. Um, so for me, that's also, you know, a great opportunity. And we, we saw the same thing happen last year for just who's going to step up. And I think that's one of the neat things to go to St. Louis and play some really competitive teams in, in, in Missouri and see which of my guys, maybe whether they're, they're guys for next year or whether there's a senior that, that just hasn't made a huge impact yet that's chomping at the bit to get a chance to show that he, he can play with everybody. And, um, so, you know, we look at it as a, as a great opportunity. I mean, we're going to be, uh, bummed that we don't have the whole squad, but we're, we're excited about who's going to step in and fill those roles, which is something that we've been talking about all season long about just the bench mob doing what they do best and filling in stop gaps and whatever else that they need to do and being prepared, you know, being mentally and physically prepared to play. 
So talk a little bit about uh, your team specifically this year. Some notable players. I know you got at least one player going to play uh, D1 next year. Talk a little bit about uh, some of your players and uh, some of the things about your team. Yeah, so um, Peyton Comstock is going to uh, the Naval Academy. He's a, a four-year varsity uh, starter for us. Um, he's really excited about going to the Naval Academy. Uh, we didn't, we don't really have a ton of four-year varsity players on our our program. Um, it's just kind of not the way that our our set is, our our group is structured. But uh, he's one of them. Ramsey Flores is another one who's a senior for me, and he's he's actually the one that's out on his recruiting visit, um, and he's looking to play water polo in college as well. I've got two other great seniors. I have a bunch of great seniors, but two others that I was thinking of field player wise. Danny Lynch and uh, Nate Fisher, who I think are are both athletes that can play in college, and they're both looking for trying to figure out what's going to be the best fit for them. You know, I've got a great goalie in Manny Ruiz. Uh, he's played really well for us um, this year. He stepped up big. He was our backup last year. He played quite a few games last year for us, and both in splitting time with our starter, but um, also just filling in when needed. And he he's really stepped up a lot. And uh, when we played Neighborville Central and we were up five nothing at halftime, I mean, we were kind of just like, holy cow, he's playing great right now. And so we're just hoping that continues. You know, rounding out the rest of my starting lineup, I've I've got a great kid who just had an awesome article in our local paper. His name's Alex Figus. And he's uh, he's kind of a small guy, but um, he doesn't doesn't really let that stop him. And he's been a fun fun athlete to coach. He's a kid that you know was probably our maybe third guy off the bench as a freshman on the frost off. <laughs> Had never really played water bowl before, and uh, now he's he's starting you know on our varsity group and um, you know scored goals in the state championship game last year. Uh, we played Lions in that that York championship game this year, and Alex had the first goal right out of the gates. You know, one of our first couple possessions, just picked up the ball and fired it in from about seven meters out. And he's somebody that it, it's been uh, it's been a long time coming, and he's he's really put in a ton of work, and he's seeing great payoffs. And I'm I'm excited to see how this goes. And I got a couple underclassmen that I wanted to talk about really quickly, and that's uh, got a junior Dan Beta. His same kind of same as Alex Figgis hadn't really played a lot of water polo before, and last season everything really just clicked for him at the end. And um, you know he he didn't start a lot of games for us last year as a sophomore on the varsity, but when when the season came down to the very end and our final six games, you know he was a guy that it was like we we want him in, we need him in. And and I remember we played Lions in the the semifinal and we went into overtime. I was constantly being like, anytime there was a break, like, Dan, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, do you need to take a break? And he just kept being like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Keep me in. And it was awesome. Um, it was amazing. And he, he's he's been great for us this year as a junior. He's going to be an incredible senior leader for us next year, which I'm really excited about. And then we, we've got a fun sophomore group. A couple of them will be coming with us to St. Louis. A couple of them are playing big minutes for us on the varsity. But I've got a bunch of sophomores that are chomping at the bit just to get some time and are, are really tearing it up on the uh, frost off level right now that we're really excited about. Because this year we're, we're very senior heavy, and we know that um, you know this year is a big year for us. But we're also, you know, we're also really excited about what what the next two years are going to be with this group that we 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 envision coming. And we're, we're losing a lot. I mean, we're graduating a lot of guys, but we're also really excited to see what what this young crew can do too. All righty, cool. Well, Coach, uh, we want to thank you for coming on. And uh, I know Ray is he's going to be refing a couple games this weekend, and I obviously will be poolside. So we look forward to uh, uh, to chatting uh, and welcome you to St. Louis. So we want to thank you for coming on. 
Sounds good. I was uh, glad you guys invited me and happy happy to be on here. This is awesome. Okay, Ray, you got anything you want to add? I do not. All right, so this is the Nearside Low Podcast signing off. <laughs>